children your God and is that your best the one true mighty God or are you giving passing your children down to an idol and handing them an idol are they seeing you worship money worship prosperity worship big houses nice cars what do they worship what do you worship see they gave Samuel their very best the most high God the Lord of hosts and then they gave God back his precious gift their son Samuel children are a wonderful gift. God has given them to us and we should never take that for granted. But it can be easy to turn our children into an idol. We may cling to them tighter than we do our faith in God. As we encounter in the example of Hannah and Elkanah, they longed to have a child for years and years. Finally, God granted their desire, but with the condition that they would give their son back to God. As Pastor Mark points out, their willingness to release their son into God's will demonstrates the deep level of their faith. They knew that their most important purpose in life was to serve God. Well, let's open our Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 1 and join Pastor Mark with part 3 of today's message, Giving God Back His Gift. Anybody that has kids know you can clean the house and it gets messy again. You can clean the house. So you tend to invite people over that have kids because they kind of look at the mess and they're like, dude, that's cool. Don't worry about it. It's all right. People who don't have kids and who are neat freaks are just like, don't let those children touch anything in my house. We took our kids to a place that was like that. A lady was very concerned that my son Asa was going to touch something. I was like, Asa, get over here. And I so badly wanted him to touch stuff just so I could see her reaction, but I wanted to be polite. (laughs) You know, do we have these religious homes that are godless? Or do we have a home like Hannah and Elkanah, a godly home that had a relationship where they gave young Samuel their best? They gave young Samuel their very, very best. They gave Samuel their God. Are you giving your children your God? And is that your best, the one true mighty God, or are you giving, passing your children down to an idol? You handing them an idol. Are they seeing you worship money, worship prosperity, worship big houses, nice cars? What do they worship? What do you worship? See, they gave Samuel their very best, the most high God, the Lord of hosts, and then they gave God back his precious gift, their son Samuel. A mom and dad who had... A, It seems the means and and a lot of stuff, but they gave back Samuel, back to God. Look at verse 1 in chapter 2. It says, And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. After Hannah left her son with Eli, she could have walked off, had a good cry, but instead of sadness, there was a song. Instead of sadness and a heavy heart, there was a song, a song of praise, knowing that her son is with the Lord. And so here is where, you know, when you think about this song of praise to the Lord and you read this song and we break it down a little bit, you're like, whoa, man, this is amazing. This woman is amazing. I want this type of heart to worship the Lord when those things happen. See, the unbeliever or the believer with little faith does not understand the relationship between a sacrifice and a song. 
and how the people of God can sing their way into sacrifice and sacrifice their way into singing. A lot of unbelievers don't get it. They're just all like, what? I mean, what is this nonsense going on? Well, here's the deal. When in those days when you went, like they were at the temple and they did the burnt offering, when they did that burnt offering, there was a song that was given over to the Lord. A, A song to the Lord began also as that burnt offering was put upon the altar. And Jesus, before he went into the garden where he would be arrested, Jesus did what with his disciples? It says they sang. They sang before the sacrifice of himself. Paul and Silas sang after they had been beaten and humiliated. And, and that's hard to do. I mean, when you think about it, to me, that's like, I think it might be easier to sing before. But they, they sang after they'd been beaten and humiliated. And frequently in the Psalms, you see David singing praises to God in the midst of a difficult situation. And when you, when you look at that, Hannah was praying and rejoicing at the same time. She was thinking of God's blessing to the nation of Israel as well as to herself in her home. She gave her son, are we giving our children? She gave her son to help the nation. Are we giving our children and raising them up in that direction so they can help our country, help the people around them? Are we raising them up to help themselves? What are we showing them by the lifestyle that we live? So Hannah says, here's my son, Lord. Take him. Do as you please to help my nation. Our children's ministry is to gear up your children to help a community, to help a nation, to help their friends. Because if we teach what the Bible teaches and we apply it to our lives, then that's just the natural fruit that falls from that tree. But it starts with a root and a foundation of Jesus Christ. We can't have any of that stuff without him. So Again, Hannah was praying and rejoicing at the same time. She was thinking of God's blessing to the nation of Israel. And so when prayer is selfish, it isn't spiritual. When prayer is selfish, it isn't spiritual, and it doesn't honor the Lord. Hannah knew in her heart that God would do great things for his people through their son Samuel, that Samuel would play an important part in accomplishing God's will. Can you do that? Can you be that important part in accomplishing God's will, just saying, here I am, Lord, use me? change me. I know that's a scary task. I mean, you got to think how scary it is if you're a mom to just take your son to somebody. Well, I mean, how, well, don't use me as an example, but let's say Pastor Chuck Smith, you take your children. You're like, here, I'm leaving them with you. They're three years old. Some of us might be like, oh man, got rid of those guys. But I mean, think about it. If your children, you wouldn't do that. That wouldn't be your first thought. You'd be heartbroken. It'd be hard. Would you be able to sing and be rejoiceful? Think about that. To bring them to your church and say, okay, here, this is where they'll live. And we'll see them every now and then, every couple of weeks. We'll give you visitation rights. Be a hard one to do. But her prayer isn't selfish. Her prayer is very spiritual. She knew in her heart that God would do great things for his people. And sometimes we need to be used as those instruments. Are you raising your children to be those instruments? Are you? an instrument? Do they look at you and say, hey, that's what I, I want to be used as an instrument? One of the greatest things my son says to me is, dad, I want to, I want to be the little pastor. And I'm like, really? Hey, then, man, go tell your friends and, and son that, you know, and, and you guys in children's ministry know, I mean, every now and then he's in trouble. He's not any different than any other kid. But that's what he tells me quite often. I want to be a little pastor. How do I do that? And he'll sit with me. We'll have Bible study in, in the mornings when he wakes up early with me. He sits and listens. Her worship came from her heart. Does your worship come from your heart? 
and it was saturated with the joy of the Lord. Do you have that? In verse 1 and again in verse 10, we see the word horn. It symbolizes a strength or a strong person, the word horn. To have your horn exalted means to receive or gain new strength from God and to be greatly helped by him. And then it says again in verse 1, the second part of it, I smile at my enemies. Some of your versions may say my mouth is wide open. It's kind of meaning a laughter. But what that's talking about there is she, she brags about God's victory. She brags about the victory of God. If you've ever experienced God's victory, you have something to boast about or give props about to God. You talk about how awesome God is when he has a great victory in your life. Maybe when God conquers cancer in a person's life, we, we boast about the victory that the Lord has done. You know, the Lord has, has done a great thing or, or has healed a person that is sick or has brought something to you that you've needed, not really wanted, but you really truly need, and you boast about how awesome God is. Do we do that? that you, you boast about God, give props to God, and tell all our friends, the non-believers as well, about God? And then notice that she rejoices in God's salvation because the last part of verse 1, because I rejoice in your salvation— She knows what God can deliver. She can see the miracle. When you think about who God is and God says, this is what I'm going to do, and you pray those promises, you can guarantee he doesn't go back on his word. He doesn't trick you. He's not like you and me. He's like, hey, man, my yes is yes. The word salvation here is Yeshua or Joshua, one of the names of the promised Messiah. I, I boast and rejoice. And she talks about salvation. Look at verse 2. No one is holy like the Lord, for there is none besides you, nor is there any rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let no arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is the God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. When you pray, it is always very good to begin with praise. Whether it's song, I think it should be song. I mean, when you think about it, people that are happy sing. You know, and so when you pray, it should always begin with praise because praise will help you focus on the glory of the Lord. Praise him, but you don't have to sing. You can praise him in other ways by saying, Lord, you're just amazing. You're just so awesome. Thinking about how great God is, praising him for the things that he's done in your life, for the things that he will do. And when you see the greatness of God, you're going to start to see life in perspective. When you see how great God is compared to you, and in the men's study yesterday, we just broke down one small portion of a verse, give us this day. When you pray that, if you pray the Lord's Prayer, and you think about what give us this day means, who can give you the day? You don't own it. It's God's. And so that puts you in a place of like, hey, I'm not even really in full control of my day. How many of you are in full control of today? And if you think that, I can say, man, I I bet I can change your day. Oh, no, you can't, Mark. Oh, yeah, I can. I'll go get Josiah to run into your car. That'll change your day. No pun intended on your car accident. But anyway, I mean, just I could get him to drive into it. That'd change your day. It really would. So who has control, me or you now at this point? I actually have, or Josiah actually has more. And that's a scary thought when Josiah has more control over your day than you do of your own day. But you think about it, you don't. So when you see the greatness of God, you start to see life in its perspective. Hannah knew the character of God and began to focus on his attributes. 
She begins by affirming his holiness, his uniqueness. The two go together hand in hand because in Hebrew and in the Greek, holy means holy set apart. Holy set apart. God is completely set apart from you and me. Though he wants that relationship, he is still set apart from us. We were talking about it yesterday is that when you think about how awesome God is, Moses, I mean, just who Moses is. And he says, God, can I see your face? He's like, no, I just go ahead. The, the, the most you can handle is my rear end. Because if you saw the front of me, you'd be a dead man. And so the most he could handle is the backside of God. And we can't even, I mean, when you think about who he is, he's so holy that we would die if we look upon him. The rock she speaks about. The rock speaks of the Lord's strength and stability and steadfastness, and he magnifies the fact that he does not change. I mean, I got rocks out in my yard that they don't change unless I beat on them or break them. And even then, sometimes they don't change. They're so hard. But, but that rock is solid. And you and I can depend on Jesus because his character is unchangeable and his promises never, ever fail. And, you know, it, it's when we think about what, what is all this about, it's all about Jesus and all about us being dedicated and wholly set apart to him as well, for him, for his glory, for his majesty. See, he's a God of knowledge. Be careful of what you say and how you say it, because there's no place for pride and arrogance when you stand before God who knows you through and through. Oh, when you sit there and you really think about who God is, it's, there's no place for that pride. There's no place for all the stuff you think you know. And you know nothing compared to him. Hannah rejoiced because... He is a just judge of the actions of his people. He knows you. He's involved in your life, even if you're not a believer. I tell people that all the time that are non-believers. I'm like, man, God's in control of your life, even though you don't know. No, he's not. I don't worship him. It doesn't matter. It goes back to, you may not know Josiah, but if he decides to hit your car, he could change your life by that one action. We talked before about one moment about one moment, how a moment can define or change a person's life. And you're involved in people's moments, other people's moments. By presenting the gospel to them, you could actually give them an opportunity to have that life changed. So if God knows everything, he's able to weigh us and understand our actions accurately. Even our motives are weighed. You may be misunderstood by people, but the Lord will act justly. The Lord will act justly. Look at verse 4 of this prayer. The bows of the mighty men are broken, and those who stumbled are girded with strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, and the hungry have ceased to hunger. Even the barren has borne seven, and she who has many children has become feeble. The Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and brings up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and lifts up. He raises the poor from the dust, and he lifts the beggar from the ash heap to set them among princes and make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he has set the world upon them. Think about that. Think about that for a minute. It's just saying the whole world is God's. There's nothing that we can do to, to, to scare God, to shock him, to make him think, uh-oh, Mark's loose. He's not afraid. I mean, think about it. Satan would be the most full thing to God if that were the case. But he's not, because even Satan still has to walk before God and say, hey, can I sift this guy? Can I, can, I, can I take some time with him? And God's like, yes, 
I'm not afraid of you. We've done it before. If I say black, you say white. If I say stop, you say If I say God, you say don't say Satan because he, he, there's no equal. There's, no, there's really not an opposite. Who's going to overpower God? And so here we see this. God is holy and just and is always true to his word and his character, but he's also merciful and gracious. This, this part of verses 4 through 8 talk about the grace of the Lord. The skilled warrior is beaten by the stumbling unskilled guy is what this is talking about. Do you see that? The bows of the mighty men are broken, and those who stumbled are girded with strength. Those who can't even walk are the ones who are going to win. Those who can't even run a straight line. And when you read this, it seems that things are a little backwards or upside down, but not in God's economy. This is what it's like in God's economy. In our economy, that's what it's like. The strong will win. The weak will, will die. But in God's economy, it's the reverse His ways are not your ways. For you and I today, it's because of the cross. The world has been turned upside down. Jesus took care of the things. He saved us. And because of that, the Christian has true vision. Well, we can see a little further than just the end of our noses. Life is still going to be tough. But like Hannah, instead of focusing on the circumstances, we focus on the Lord. We focus on the one who's in charge of the world. Look at the second half of verse 8. It says, to set them among the princes and make them inherit the throne of glory for the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and he has set the world upon them and he will guard the feet of his saints but the wicked shall be silent in darkness for by strength no man shall prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken in pieces. The world can't be moved and what happens on earth is under his watchful care, under God's watchful care. And just because some think he abandoned earth, He has set his king on his throne. He hadn't abandoned anything. So if you allow God to be your guide, he will will guide your steps. He will provide for you. You will walk in light. And then the second part of verse 10, from heaven, he will thunder against them. The Lord will judge to the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. And here again is, I think, a very important scripture. He's going to keep the feet of his saints. In the Psalms, a lot is said about keeping the feet of the saints. The 71st Psalm, my feet almost slipped. I almost had it, basically, is what it's saying. And the walking in the slippery places, keeping the feet of his saints, keeping me from falling, actually, is what that's talking about. And so the walking in those slippery places, for by strength shall no man prevail. And if you think about that, what, that's a very valuable truth. For by strength, that's, that's by an own, own, um, a man's own strength, you will never prevail. God's saying, I am the strongest. And then he's telling me, I am my very strongest when I am at my very weakest. How, how many of you guys like to be called weak and feeble? I don't even think most of the women here, I got a picture of, of some of our ladies yesterday shooting guns. I, don't even, I, I wouldn't call them weak or feeble at that point. But when you think about it, nobody wants to be called that. Nobody wants to be called weak or feeble. But we're told that when we are that, that's when we are strong. That we're, when we're at our best. I'm the strongest when I'm aware of my weakness. And I'm at my weakest point when I think I'm strong. And so when I think I've got this wired... Lord, I don't need any help from you. I'm able to make it all by myself. I'm on top of things. That's when I'm in trouble. 
So you don't need to hold my hand, Lord. Just let me do it on my own. There's no problems here. And that's when I'm at my most vulnerable position. When I'm standing there and saying, Lord, I don't think I can do this. I don't think I can witness to this guy. And he just looks mean. He's probably going to be sounding smarter than I am. I mean, I can tell by the way he dresses. I can tell by the way he speaks. I can tell by the way he holds himself. I'm nothing. That's when God's like, now you go for it. Now you go for it because I will put the words in your mouth. And I've had this happen over and over. It's funny how we like to go witness to those who seem to be a little less than us. I want to challenge you guys. Go knock on the, on the door of a mansion. Hi, I'm here to witness to you. That's a scary place to be. So basically our prayer should be, Lord, help me. I know that I'm not going to be able to make it through this one. Whatever this one is in your life today, Lord, help me. I know I'm not going to be able to make it through this one. I need your help. That's when I'm at my strongest position. That's when you're at your strongest position. For by strength, no man, or, or for by strength shall no man prevail. By your own strength, you'll never, ever know real victory. It's only as we learn to rely and trust in the strength of the Lord that we're really, really strong. So how many of us want to be really, really strong today? I think we all would raise our hands and say, yeah. But the only way we can do that is if we do it the Lord's way, do it God's way, do those things the way he wants us to do it. And sometimes he takes us to those places where we're like, man, I have no idea how I'm going to get through this. I, I can't see the end. I don't even see, I can't even see the tunnel, much less the light at the end of it. And sometimes it's important for us to be there because that's where he starts to grow us. That's where he takes us and he says, now I can shape and mold you. There's that mark I'm looking for. Good boy. Now stay there. Don't try to bounce up. Don't try to get up here. You just stay where I have you. You stay weak, and I'll make you strong. And I can't boast in and of myself at that point because it's all God. And hopefully everybody else that will see that will say, man, that's all God. This is where we get the information. I want to encourage you guys to read more of this and less of the newspaper. Oh, we need the news. Hey, there are people out there that need the Lord. There are people out there that need God. And you have the answer. You know where to take them in the scriptures. If you don't, meet with us. We'll help you get there. We'll provide you tracks. Or just invite them to church. We'll do the rest. That's what we're here to do. But we want to give hope to the hopeless. And some of them may not look so hopeless. But again, don't look at it with your eyes as hopeless. Look at it as a, with the Lord's eyes. Ask God to give you his eyes, his vision, and you'll see a different picture. Thank you for tuning in again today to Come Alive. Pastor Mark will have much more to teach us from this study of 1 Samuel when you join us next time. If you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor Mark, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast. Just search for Come Alive in your app store or on iTunes. Before our time is through with you today, though, Tracy would like to tell you how you can be a part of the ministry of Come Alive. Come Alive and radio programs like it are powerful tools that God is using to advance His gospel message here on earth. And we know that God is blessing many through the ministry of this broadcast. We want to make sure we keep God at the center of what we're doing, and that's where you come in. Would you keep Come Alive, Pastor Mark, and those who have heard this program today in your prayers? Your intercession on our behalf is greatly appreciated. 
Thanks, Tracy. Another way you can be involved is through financial support. Here at Come Alive, we rely on the kindness of donations to be able to provide you with quality produced programs. We'd like to ask you to prayerfully consider donating and want you to know that any amount is useful and greatly appreciated. Find out more at comealiveradio.com or you can text a donation to Calvary Katie at 77977. That's 77977. Thank you for bringing this matter before the Lord and thank you for being a part of our listening audience today on Come Alive.